Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Push My Buttons Games podcast. This is episode 34, and Dungeon Master Mike and I have a great episode for you. Oh. Yes, it's rule 34, bitches. Oh. Dude, Dungeon Master Mike coming in with that fourth tequila shot of the night. Fourth tequila shot tonight. It is a lovely Casamigos, George Clooney, uh, the Blanco. Because they come in three flavors, right? You got Blanco, you have Reposado, and you've got... Oh, what's the other one? Oh, uh, I don't remember. Añejo. You have Añejo. Uh. Um, and this, man, this stuff is smooth. It is so easy to drink. Yeah, I've right. got the Terramana Blanco by uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who says, it doesn't matter what kind of tequila you're drinking. That's the joke you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he has a tequila? Yeah, Terramana. I'm gonna have to try that next time. But George Clooney, man, he man, he knows his tequila. Uh, so this is a tequila sipping podcast. We're shooting. <laughs> welcome, so welcome gotta... to push my tequila. <laughs> We're pushing our tequila on you guys. Uh, so we've got some dungeon, some like D and D type game news. We've got a couple of early E3 announced announcements that came out this week, and. Just kind of shooting the breeze with you guys, right? Anything else? Oh, yeah. Mike? Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what do you uh, want to chat about first, man? Like, what do you want to chat about first? Oh, man. Okay. Um, well, let's let's do some bitching and get that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Okay. So are you big into shooting games at all? Not a ton, man. I loved GoldenEye back in the day. <laughs> that, that was like 25 years ago. I oh, know, wait, right? Wait, hold on a second. Was it 25 years ago? Did it come out in 96? Uh, 97, I want to say. I think it was 24 years ago? Yeah, man. Yeah, this fall. There, yeah. there are graduated college students younger than Goldeneye. <laughs> oh, that's insane. Oh. Uh, uh, every <laughs> once in a while, like, I played Modern Warfare 2. I did the story on that. I never got into Halo. I've done some Battlefront 2, so I do play a little bit, but I am not the guy that gets good at it, because I don't have time to get good, because, you know, that's, that's the way it comes with a lot of these, I feel, is you got to get good, especially oh, if you're yeah. going online. <laughs> for, for me, okay, so uh, okay, so I, I enjoy the occasional shooter. The last shooter that I played was Doom 2016. I have Doom Eternal. I have no idea how I got Doom Eternal. I don't remember paying for it, but it's in my library. Um, I just picked that up not too long ago. I need to play both those Doom games. And yeah, I played Doom 2016 64. is worth it, man. I've that heard good things. Fun. Yeah, I've heard good um, things. So, yeah, it, it shooters are one of those genres that I dive into occasionally. Uh, the only competitive shooter I played was Overwatch. And I did like Overwatch, um, but I don't really get into a bunch of them. I didn't never got into Apex Legends. I never got into um, Fort. Well, Fortnite's like a third-person shooter, but yeah, it's yeah. not my thing. Uh, if I have time to pour into a game to get good at it, it's fighting games. Okay. So I never really got into it, but this news story is about Battlefield 2077. Um, <laughs> I think you're mixing up your cyberpunks and your battlefield. Yeah, I know that was intentional. <laughs> did you get the joke? What I was did. Um, yeah, cyberpunk. Twenty forty two. Twenty forty two. 
Yeah. It will not include a campaign or a battle royale mode. We have walked this path before with a previous Call of Duty, and it always sucks, right? Because mm-hmm. it like they're just showing their asses with stuff like this, right? Battle Royale has only gotten um, tasty to the industry because of Fortnite. And then when Fortnite got big, they're like, we have to have other Battle Royales. And so people started chasing clout instead of creating clout. And so I guess that was Battlefield that had a Battle Royale mode in it before. And it just wasn't super good because everyone just would rather play Fortnite. Mm. So... It's not going to include a Battle Royale mode. I'm not crying about that. But the fact that there is no campaign, it is a strict multiplayer game, period. Like, instantly, I'm not even interested. The last right. the last Call of Duty slash Battlefield campaign I have played was Modern Warfare 2 when it first came out, like 12 years ago. That's the that's the last one that I played. The other campaign shooters that I played, you know, like Doom... Uh, Metroid Prime, which is before that, but like I, I kind of like the fantastical shooters. But these realistic military shooters, I think it's just, I think it's child's play, you know. And so, because it doesn't have a campaign, it's just like, well, that's a game that is alienating a ton of audiences because they're obviously chasing for money. Um, mm. that's my yeah, opinion um... of it. Yeah, I'm. I like a good campaign. Like that's just me. I like the story. Um, I like when games can put a fun multiplayer in it. And like we said, you know, when you and I were doing Tomb Raider in the fall, mm-hmm. that was fun for the yes, day. The I first day loved. I loved playing Tomb Raider with you. <laughs> yeah. So those guys that we met and they were just like, yeah, we're just trying to get the achievements too. Sweet, let's do it. We just cranked yeah. out like a couple hours worth of play. Yeah, oh, that, that was fun. That part was fun, but the grinding sucked. So I hate that aspect of it. But mm-hmm. when it's all online and I feel I don't have the time to get good at it. And because, you know, real time job plus hobbies on the side, you know, and everything else that goes on in life. I'm just like, uh, I just don't like I feel if I pick up that game, I've got to devote all my time to it to even try to get good to, to then hop online. And then I still get slaughtered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I feel the shooters, their best success seems to be the World War Two era, and they've been doing those for 20 plus years now, too. Man, you ever know. since Medal of Honor, I was just like, I'm done. Like, I don't. OK, what, what's the fascination with World War Two in general? But like, especially around video games, like what? Why is World War Two such a focus? They've even got to the point where they want to fantasize World War II with Battlefield. Was it Battlefield 5 or Battlefield 1 or whatever it was? Um, there was where, a like, Battlefield 1942, right, as well? No, it was, like, it was like two years ago. There was a Battlefield game that was coming out. And like one of the soldiers had a like a goddamn katana like strapped to his back. And it like the main character, not nothing against women being main characters and stuff. Right. But like mm-hmm. she had a prosthetic arm and she had like a cricket bat with barbed wire on it. And it's just like, like no one in a world war two carried a cricket bat and like a katana. And if you had like a prosthetic arm, 
you would have been shipped off. And then if you want to go the historical route, like, yeah, there weren't any women on the front lines. Uh, that's not that big of a deal for me. But what's the fascination with World War II? I don't get it. Um, but that's a big topic with shooters. Yeah, it, it always seems to be. And, and they do make them fun, right? Like, I've enjoyed a lot of them because they even did the latest Call of One of the Call of Duties was WWE 2. I don't, I don't think they're fun. <laughs> um, yeah, it depends, I guess, on what you want to do in your video games, right? Um, right. But maybe just because that was our last World War and there was so much going on and there's so many different places you could go. Because I don't mean to get political. Um, yeah. I think that was like the last war where it was clear cut who were the good yeah. guys and who were the bad yeah. guys. That, that could be yeah, a fair point. Yeah, I was trying to think of a way to say something like that. Yeah, I mean, like, and I don't, I'm not sure if that's a, even a political statement, but like, it was clear the Nazis were bad, and I mean, we did join with Stalin, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, um, like, that was like the last war where it was just like we're fighting bad guys, um. But, like, every war since then has always been, like, gray. So, I don't know. I don't want to go yeah. more political than that. Yeah, but there's a fascination with war, too. Yeah, and it seems it's been there for a while. Um, but, yeah, the game's coming out. Is that is that this year? I don't know if they gave a date. Did they? Oh, I don't. I, I haven't cared enough to check. <laughs> <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> so, yeah, Battlefield 2070, I mean, 2042 is coming out. Uh, if you're interested, the trailer in shooters, was awesome. It was ep- extreme. It was way over the top, and I'm, I'm too busy to watch it. Uh, and talking <laughs> to somebody, it was them cinematizing what people have done in the game, uh, which I didn't realize until I was talking with a buddy about it. Because uh, the what I was like, the one is the plane is going like it, you know, pulls up to like a like a 70 degree angle, right? It's, it's you like flying straight up and the dude pops out with a rocket launcher and blows up another plane that's flying and then gets back into his plane. And I was like, wow, that's so extreme. And he goes, well, that's something someone did in the game. And they've cinematized it now for that. For that well, teaser. that's actually a famous, uh, coming from the guy who doesn't play shooters that move is a famous move, and it was done in Battlefield a long time ago, and it's kind of become kind of like a crown of honor if you can pull that off. Jump out of your plane, fire a rocket launcher, jump into another plane. Like, that's a Battlefield move. Yeah, um, so that's what this was for. Um, but yeah, the date is October 22nd, and that's on PS4 and PS5. But no, it's cool that that's what the trailer was about, though. So it wasn't actual gameplay. It was them doing and showing stuff people have done like people flying in squirrel suits and all that fun jazz so mm-hmm. so yeah that game's coming out um what other games do you, so <laughs> what else are you looking forward to man um well ratchet and clank dropped today and i just played that for like about an hour about 40 minutes and got to the you know where they live do the whole like title sequence so that's fun so, May I just say that Ratchet and Clank is one of the longest running like game series um, that has a continuous story where every entry has been like fun, mm-hmm. and the company has never crunched. 
That's a key point. They were just talking about that. And it's not something where like CD, where it was like CD Projekt Red, where they're like, oh, we don't crunch, but it was coming from higher ups. No, Insomniac, like more than one developer has stated on like on their public social media accounts, and these have been screenshots. They're saying like, I mean, there may have been like a night where we turned in something late for a project, but like I do that in my job, you know? Uh, and so, like, they're like, yeah, but aside from that, there hasn't been any crunch. Mm-hmm. And you get a game that uh, so far appears to be incredibly fun. I, I've i always liked Ratchet and Clank. I can't wait to play it, like, three years from now. <laughs> uh, what I've played, I enjoyed the cinematic. Like, it's, it's gorgeous. Um, I was blown away. Like, just having it on the TV and just sitting there going, like, wow. Um, the Sony guy I was talking to last week though says I really need the 3D audio headset to really experience it. He said that that'll really change it too. So nice. Um, but yeah, looking forward to playing that. And then I also did do the free upgrade for Final Fantasy VII Remake, your favorite game from last year. <laughs> <laughs> that episode uh, is coming, guys. I have. I need to plan it. That episode <laughs> is coming. But it it's not. I it's just okay. Before you get into that, that's all I've Yeah, I'm just I haven't played it yet. Um, I just did the upgrade. I didn't do the integrate install because I'm like oh, I want to play through the story so we can do the episode. I'd love to be a part of that episode. Uh, so I need to find time to churn through that, which probably will take me what thirty hours. Well, I also to get- think the topic is still a little bit too hot, especially because integrate is coming out. everyone is just gushing about that game i still think it's shit but before i do the episode i'm going to have to play through the like the game in its entirety Mm. and i'm a final fantasy fan so it's just kind of like a check mark on my list so it's not like i'm torturing myself but i kind of am um because i want to make sure that like no one could bring up the argument of well you didn't play through the entire game so you don't know what you're talking about which i think is a stupid point like if you don't like a game so you can stop playing it but yeah i have to go through it too um but, but you want me to do uh you ready to just uh, chat about one of the other reveals this week then i mean there's probably not much we can really talk about there's not but People got excited. I heard some people hyping about it. So, they... you know, there's this little game called Elden Ring <laughs> from Software's Elden Ring. It's coming out next January, so January is going to be <laughs> busy after Christmas. Are you, you yeah. a big Souls fan? Soulsborne fan? I'm trying to get into them. I did play Bloodborne, but I didn't get far into it. I just it was another one of those I didn't get good, and I tried Sekiro, which you know. I got decently through it, and I need to go try to pick that back up. Mm-hmm. But I I enjoy them. I just need to find the time to like just sit down and get good and just get through them. So I'm a I, I would consider myself a fan. Um, everyone, I think everyone just just so that everyone knows, the only game I haven't really gone through was Sekiro, uh, because the gameplay loop was a little bit more annoying. Battles took longer because you have to do the countering. Like that's the center focal focal point. But my favorite, the one that I had played multiple times was Bloodborne. Uh, Bloodborne, I think, was I mean, to this day, people are still talking about Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's you know, it's an old game now, but people still play it and it's worth 
a play even today. That's my that's one of my favorite games. Uh, so yeah, Elden Ring coming out. I don't know if it's going to be like Code Vein, in which Code Vein is easier. They have the same engine or close to the same engine as the Dark Souls games, but the game was substantially easier. Um, but it could be just as difficult. You don't, you never know until you actually play the game. But people were joking on me on like, because George R. R. Martin wrote the world and wrote the like all the background events that led up to the game, right? Mm-hmm. So they hired George R. R. Martin. People online are joking about like, awesome, George R. R. Martin is on it. I can't wait for the game to be released in thirty years, <laughs> <laughs> or like. Like, they've just burned him, too. Like, okay, so that means he has, like, a paragraph of background info. (laughs) (laughs) Which, that guy gets so much crap for his writing. I'm just happy I'm not in into A Song of Ice and Fire. That, I I just, I mean, I'm a fantasy buff, but I don't read Martin, so I I feel bad for his fans. What What do you got against Martin, man? The only thing I got against them, okay, so they're in the writing world, and I say this as as a um, what do you call me? Uh, like a re- recreational writer <laughs> four, <laughs> four tequila shots in um, five tequila, pouring my fifth shot right now. Um, I'm a recreational writer, and there are two. And, I guess I write short stories for myself. I don't. I don't like release it. But there, there are generally two types of writers. Most writers are like a blend of them. There is one category called the planner, where you outline stuff, and there is the other category, which is the pantser. Comes from a phrase of flying off the seat of your pants. Those people do not plan their writing. They just sit down and write. Most people are kind of a, a mix between the two. Um, and so George R.R. R. Martin is an infamous pantser. He is all the way on that side of the spectrum. Now, pantsing has advantages and disadvantages. Um, one of the more like hot, bigger noticeable advantages that Martin has that everyone compliments the series for is that his characters are very organic, right? They don't mm-hmm. follow like a set plan where sometimes it, like their actions don't make sense. I, you know, I just it really depends on the writer. But his his characters are organic and they live in the moment in his head as he's writing it down. That's why writing a song of ice and fire is so difficult because it's like cultivating a garden. You know, you plant seeds, you see where they grow, you trim them, you kind of want them to do something. So you kind of guide the plant, but the plant does its own thing. That is, that's how he writes. But because of that, before he writes, he has to sit down and play the scene in his head. And he has stated this on writing conventions. Uh, And he's also been with, you you can find videos with him talking to Stephen King and stuff like this about their writing styles. Uh, Stephen King, who writes like three chapters a day, and George R. R. Martin, it's a good month if he can write a paragraph. And he asked <laughs> right. Stephen King, like, how do you write so much? So, like, that he's very well documented saying, like, he's pretty much, his characters live in the moment as he writes. So he that means he can go through a nine-hour day writing and really only get a few words down. Because he's sitting down 
probably drinking his coffee and like trying to play what Daenerys Targaryen is doing, you know, in his head. And then he like writes it down, but things have gotten so complicated. He's got to compile it information in his head. That's mm-hmm. the problem I have with Martin because eventually what happens is you forget details in your world. JK Rowling is an obvious form where like she made, she, she was kind of a pantser where like, she just created elements of the world as it was required in the story. And now Harry Potter is so unwieldy that there's mistakes left and right. You know, they release a new movie and there's problems with it. Like, these are all characteristics of a panzer. So people are joking that Elden Ring has problem, is going to have problems like this. That's why it's taking so long for it to get the release. Because he writes a certain way. Right. So, anyway, that I need a fifth shot because I have been speaking <laughs> continually for like a two minutes <laughs> oh it's all good man so oh, 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 oh that one hit hard <laughs> oh yeah so that was kind of the news reveals Ooh. that came out this week so it was you know they dropped the battlefield tease and then you know they they gave the release date for that now we're heading into e3 weekend so you know there's lots of speculations of what's going to be happening is the first stuff tomorrow i think there was just a few things today maybe but, I haven't been really keeping up. I figured I'll watch like a like a, a playlist yeah. of a summary at the end. Yeah, I'm I, assuming. Uh, I wish I had gone to E3. I've never been able to go to E3 ever, and so I'm just like, oh, whatever. Stuff that you know, important stuff will reach my timeline on my Twitter. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, if I remember right, tomorrow's Ubisoft, so I'll try to make sure I check that one out and see what they have to say and. Mm-hmm. Um, Nintendo's on Tuesday. I'm assuming next Friday will be our E3 episode. So that's yeah, yeah. We'll do a little bit more of our research. I am looking forward to Square Enix, and I'm looking forward to Bamco. Which to mm-hmm. our friends at home, that's Bandai Namco. It's too hard to say, especially five shots in. So I just call. I just blend the words together. So it's just Bamco or Bamco, <laughs> Bandai Namco. So yeah, Bamco is the other one that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, um, because they'll. Yeah, I think we discussed this last week. I don't remember, but last week I'm expecting a, um, the final season pass for Dragon Ball Fighters. I'm expecting season one of Guilty Gear Strive, which is my new love, um, and probably a new Dragon Ball game. And yeah, yeah, I, that's the one I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Oh, one other thing. I don't know who here hasn't played Jedi Fallen, Jedi Fallen Order. Um, but if you have PS5 or the new Xbox Series systems, they did do the upgrade on that. And if you have the PS4 or Xbox One X, right, or S, uh, they you can do the free upgrade just like a lot of the other games. So it's just kind of snuck in this week. So. Mm. so I thought the game was fun. I'm hoping they'll, they'll do a second or do something similar. So. Yeah, that, that happened this week, but I'm not ready to go back to that game. <laughs> but if I do, I can I can play the upgrade. So, mm-hmm. so oh, excuse me. What do you got for some D&D news, man? Oh, okay. Um, to our two D&D listeners, I, I am very fond of you guys. I, I, I'm sorry, my tequila-addled brain um, <laughs> sometimes forgets to bring up news stories. But in honor of our D&D fans, uh, or not even fans, who are we to have fans? 
our our D and D listeners. Um, Dungeons and Dragons had a busy week, my friend. Did you know that? Um, I didn't really, but I know. Is it Dark Alliance is coming out? So Dark Alliance is the kind of like the big thing on the horizon, right? There was Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, which. You know, we talked about it, I think, two weeks ago. It's kind of a mix of Diablo 2 a little bit, but there's less grindy loot. Um, it's kind of more like like, a, like a, a little bit more of a focused um, experience, in my opinion, having played Diablo 1, 2, and 3. Um, it's a little bit more uh, compact than Diablo. Uh, but the new... So that came out recently, but everyone's looking forward to... Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, oh, not Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, just Dark Alliance. They're leaning more into like the over-the-topness. It's about Dritz. I think that's coming out later on this month. That's the big thing on the horizon. Um, but no, there's there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of other things that had happened. So first off, I think I mentioned this last week. Uh, they had a new book released, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, which is a review of all the different worlds of horror that you could use. Um, we've already talked about that a little bit, but the newest book that will be released is called The Wild Beyond the Witchlight, which will be released July 16th and 17th. That is going to be a new adventure storyline, or in other words, a campaign book where it is, you know, this is kind of like a preset series of adventures that you can put your players through for DMs, probably with some character options. It goes into, um, <laughs> this is going to sound really, really nerdy. Like we're talking LARP area, but there's a new world, <laughs> not a new world, but there's a, there's an alternate dimension, right? It's like, so, so the, the standard world for Dungeons and Dragons is a setting called the Forgotten Realms. And the Forgotten Realms has two parallel dimensions with it. One is called the Shadowfell. The other one is called the Fae. The Fey Wild. That's kind of like where, like your fairies and and like your super uh, crazy looking elves go. And um, if you know what a brownie is, not the delicious treat, but like the little mischievous gnome type, like that, like all like the fantastical, super colorful, just crazy um, drug trip you can go on is the Fey Wild. And so. The Wild Beyond the Witchlight is going to be kind of regarding that. It's like a Disney style. I guess I can call it Disney. It's kind of like a the way how I would describe it. Yeah, it'd be like a Disney style uh, adventure. It kind of like the colorfulness of it. That's coming out in about a month. Okay. And uh, that will be, and that's going to be your standard price, 50 to 60 bucks. Um, Magic the Gathering has several settings within it the the uh i'll get back into dungeons and dragons but for some context magic the gathering um each set that releases generally takes place in some sort of world so their spells their cards and everything are themed to a specific world and they have had two um dungeons and dragons books based on these magic the gathering worlds one was called, oh, geez, I can't, this is like one of the, Ravnica. Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica was the first Magic the Gathering setting. The second Magic the Gathering setting that has come out for Dungeons and Dragons is the world of Theros, 
in the, uh, the supplement called the Mythic Odyssey of Theros, which is a setting that I'm currently using and I love, which is like a Greek Roman uh, style, the type of gods and everything. It's that type of setting. Um, so there is a third Magic the Gathering book. And I was praying for a world called Kamigawa. Kamigawa is wasn't really a famous set in Magic the Gathering, but it would have been fantastic for Dungeons and Dragons. It's a very um, like Japanese, Chinese, and Vietnamese mix of like different myths and lore and everything. Kind of like um, you know, you got like your Nine Tails Fox, you have your Fox People, uh, you got like kind of like that mythology, right? I was hoping for Kamigawa. No, there is uh, it's another world that I'm not familiar with called Strixhaven, and the supplement is called Strixhaven Curriculum of Chaos. When okay, and those about, are the cards I'm seeing out now, right? I see those at the store now, right? Strixhaven. Possibly. I don't really follow Magic the Gathering, but Strixhaven is going to be a Dungeons and Dragons world. Um, funny enough, Dungeons and Dragons is having its own set in Magic the Gathering right now. Uh, which I mean, like you can look up the, for for our D and D friends, the spell Tasha's hideous laughter is a blue spell in in Magic the Gathering. So for anyone that has no idea what we're talking about, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, like Dungeons and Dragons already has its own set of cards for Magic the Gathering, and this is all because it's under the Wizards of the Coast umbrella, which is under Hasbro. And so they they're like, well, we might as well just like mix the two. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be seeing a lot more of that. I really liked both of the Magic the Gathering supplement books. I don't know anything about Strixhaven. I knew about Theros. I knew about Ravnica, but I don't know about Strixhaven. I'll probably still get it because it generally comes with character features. It comes with new game features, ideas for running a campaign. So that's coming out. I believe in November 16th. Um, and then the uh, final thing, the final Dungeons and Dragons news feature was I discovered how to create Venom in Dungeons and Dragons. That's my news. That's my third news story. I know how to create Venom in Dungeons and Dragons, and that's with using uh, Van Richten's guide to Ravenloft. You can actually create Venom. You can actually have like a symbiotic creature within you that like covers you in a living armor sense. And I'm just going to drop it at that because I am a nerd and I look at this stuff in my spare time. <laughs> That's cool stuff, man. It's one of those areas I don't know much about, but I'm always happy to hear and listen and try to get an, an appreciation for it. Um, one of my, my friend Zabricus plays the magic Gathering online, that card game, like kind of like, Hearthstone is what it reminds me of, but I know it's different. Um, those and are games you can I just... call it Hearthstone. Hearthstone was based off of it, right? So it's going to have a ton yeah. of similarities. Yeah, those are just games. Uh, I did try Hearthstone, and I was just like, I can't get into this game and put all that time into it. Uh, all but the they, money. They play... Yeah. Well, just online, yeah. They they do really good with it, though. So um, so it always it's been fun to try to learn about that just a little bit so I know what they're talking about when they when they stream it. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there any other game news that you heard about this week? It was kind of like, because I know everyone's waiting for this weekend and early next week for E3, but I think that's the majority 
of the news, right? Yeah, I mean, like, there's not very much to talk about Elden Ring. That's the one I'm more excited yeah. for. But it's we, yeah. it's just a release date. Um, there is I, one other piece of news uh, that I'm interested in, but I was going to talk about it in the games that we were playing. The new Guilty Gear, Guilty Gear entry came out. Um, I might as well jump into that because I'm playing it. Um, so, yeah, man. Go for it. I know uh, next to nothing about Guilty Gear. <laughs> it is um, Guilty Gear for a time was a very niche game. Um, but the fighting community has kind of shrunk since times of old. And because it has shrunk more like a higher percentage of its of, of the people that partake in fighting games know about Guilty Gear now. So it's kind of a staple name, particularly because it's also produced by Bamco. And it's made, the studio that makes it is Arc Systems, which makes my favorite fighting game of all time, Dragon Ball Fighters. Um, so Arc Studios and Bamco are, uh, they've just released Guilty Gear Strive, which is a game that I have put four hours into today. I didn't work today. So, I mean, I might as well put my time into something else besides the gym. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and Michelle's going to be flying out to Denver tomorrow morning, so I will be spending a lot of time on it. Um, yeah, Guilty Gear Strive. Okay, so here's the thing. Fighting games, uh, they generally come in two flavors, right? There's your fighting game, and there is an anime fighting game. Anime fighting games feel significantly different than normal fighting games. Your normal fighting games are games like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, and Tekken, right? But your anime fighting games are like Dragon Ball Fighters or the newest entry, Guilty Gear Strive. Mechanically, <clears throat> they operate very differently. Um, and to go into like the differences would be way too much detail for a podcast as general as this. If right. you are interested... I would recommend you looking up a YouTuber and Twitch streamer by the name of Maximilian Dude. He goes into fighting games. He, he claims he's not particularly good. I would disagree with him. Uh, but he's more of a commentator than he is like a competitive fighter. And he really can get into... You just got to find the right video. And he will talk about the difference between different fighting games. And like the anime fighting games and the normal fighting games. And so Guilty Gear Strive, or rather Guilty Gear, is kind of looked at as like a staple alongside other systems like Blaze Blue. Um, Guilty Gear is a long-running series since from like the late 90s, and its newest entry just came out today, June 11th. And so, of course, I buy it today, and I have punched in so many hours, and my win ratio right now is like one wins to two losses. Which ain't bad for day one. Um, and it's just out of this world. You probably have seen a character designer too. There's this, my favorite character right now is this character named Aino. Um, she is a witch who controls her magic through hard rock. <laughs> her, her weapon is an electric guitar. And she plays notes on it. And that creates like her attacks. Um, she is, she's a very famous character. Uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's just a wild game. 
Uh, it's got too much history for me to really get into it. So this is my first Guilty Gear game, and I am going to pour hours and hours into it. That's my first game that I've been playing today, or like this past week. Oh, that's fun. I haven't played any of them. I've seen the games out there, and I know you know it's somewhat of a franchise-type title. But yeah, I have never touched them. And I played a little Blaz Blue, I think, back in the day. And then for another anime game, I was playing Naruto, the uh, the Shippuden series. Well, Shippuden was yeah, the that, anime, but the, uh, that's closer to like Ninja Smash Storm. Brothers, right? It's like a little kind bit more free of, range. Like you, there's a lot yeah. more area to run around and things to jump on. Uh, so it has like the open world hub. When I played the Naruto one, I haven't started two yet. Um, mm-hmm. And then you'd go into the battle and you'd be contained and run around almost like a, one of the Dragon Ball type fighting games. So okay, okay, yeah, a little different than just fighting. It's those weird genres that cross over, right? It's like when you said shooter. Like yeah, I like the shooters of like Tomb Raider and Uncharted and <laughs> you know, Ratchet and Clank that I'm playing right now, but that's not wasn't the shooter that you were referring to. You're sorry, I was technically referring to right. an FPS with first right. person shooter. Yeah. Right, more like our dooms, right? So that's where yeah, it's it's awesome that the games can cross over in these genres, right? To mm-hmm. do like the action platforming shooters, right? There's multiple types of games there that get combined. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a slow week for me, uh, just because I've been working a lot. And then, but uh, Star Wars Galaxy Heroes, uh, they did announce the final requirements for General Kenobi, and it's for him from Episode Three. So they, it's their highest pinnacle in the game right now. So they allow you to do the story arc of that character. So it sounds like you'll do <clears throat> the battle of him versus Grievous there. Um, and then you'll also do the battle versus him and Lord Vader. So then we're hoping Lord Vader's coming. And then the requirements actually aren't terrible for him. There's there's a couple rough ones, but most of the characters are actually worth taking up to these high relic levels that are in the game. So that's uh so he drops into the game on the sixteenth, I believe is the date. I think it's Wednesday next week. Um calendar up. Yeah, so Probably next Wednesday around 1 to 4 o'clock here in Utah time is when he's going to enter the game. So we'll have five Galactic Legends at that point. So that's going to be awesome. So uh, his last set of prereqs were Cad Bane, the bounty hunter. He's got to go to Relic 5. Commander Cody, he's got to go to Relic 5. Jango Fett's got to go to Relic 7. And he's a great tune. Um, a lot of the high-end players use him. Shakti, um, the Togruta Jedi, looks kind of like Ahsoka, but older. Uh, she's got to go to Relic 7, and then you need to take Grandmaster Yoda to Relic 8, which is the highest Relic level currently in the game. So You do need two R8s for this Galactic Legend, which is a first for the Galactic Legends, but it's kind of inevitable with the power creeps that are coming in the game and them kind of adding in these newer characters, if that makes sense, you know, to make them have their time to shine. So you uh-huh. have to have the general Kenobi from the raid, the, um, from like the clone wars looking one. So this will be him in that outfit that he was wearing roughly at the end of episode three. So he'll be in that. So and he's a galactic, Re- galactic Republic Jedi. So yeah, that's like the big thing happening in the star Wars galaxy heroes right now. It's him coming into the game. And then probably three months later or so, we don't know, but we're guessing that's when 
his counterpart will come in, and everyone is now assuming it's going to be Lord Vader. So Anakin with the yellow eyes, and you know when he fights Kenobi there on. Is that Mustafar? <laughs> I just recently saw that movie again. <laughs> and it is so bad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, episode three or just the prequels? Or just the uh, prequels? Prequels in general, but I just saw episode three. Uh, um, because Michelle, she nannies as like her mm-hmm. job. And um the the kid that one of well, the the son that we watch zach he's four he's four years old and he likes anything that has anything to do with star wars like i bought jedi fallen Order. this is how much we love these kids right i bought jedi fallen order simply just to play with him when he's over here at the house and he loves it and I'm like, do you want to play? And he's like, no, I'm too scared. Can you play for me? And I'm like, okay, sure. So I just play Jedi Fallen Order. Um, and he watches me, and he he watches with rapture. And um, he recently wanted to watch episode three. And of course, he thinks it's like, oh, geez, like Citizen Kane or something. <laughs> he looks at it like he looks at it. And he's like, this is this is art. And I'm watching. Freaking Hayden Christensen, and I. At this point, I think it's pretty. It's pretty well known that Hayden Christensen was just making the best out of what he was given between his script <laughs> and George Lucas, kind of like losing his shit when it came to directing. And so I don't think like Anakin Skywalker, how bad he turned out, is Hayden Christensen's fault. But like when he turns into Lord Vader in Episode Three. That shit is so fake. <laughs> I mean, like it's Star Wars; it's all fake. But like, it was so bad. Oh man! Like the acting for the for the for the sequel trilogy is so much better, but the prequels are like they contribute so much more to Star Wars in general. Yeah, the prequels but, do contribute yeah. a ton more. Um, I I do enjoy watching just that um, that lightsaber fight there on Mustafar between him and uh, Ewan McGregor. That that was just pretty good. So it was fun to me. So and I still remember that was one of the first things in HD I watched. Uh, a friend was just like, "You gotta come over." He's like, "I've got the Blu-ray player. I got Episode Three, and yeah, I just seen that in HD it was one of the first things I saw, and it was just like, wow, that does so much better than." Seen that on a CRT. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad stuff has developed in Galaxy of Heroes. I yeah. yeah. It's it's like I said, it's my it's the fun stuff on the side. Some days it's really really fun. Uh, I'm almost close to Jedi Master Luke, which is um, getting Luke from the end of Episode Eight. Um. So. That's um, I'm just a few tunes away, so hopefully I can start farming him in a couple weeks. Is where I think I'm gonna be. So I think I've got mm-hmm. nine out of ten requirements met for nine out of fifteen requirements met for him, and a couple of those I just got to take up one more relic level. But I'm trying to get everybody to five first, and then I've got four. Then I should have four left, and two of them have to go to six, two have to go to seven. Right. So it's just the the grind. So. 
but other than that, yeah. Um, the only other thing I played this week is a little bit more. Uh, Let's go, Evie, and I'm. I did the fighting thing in Saffron, and I picked up my fighting Pokemon, and now I just finished the Ghost Tower, uh, a little bit ago. So, just slowly still churning through that. It's kind of like I said, fun just reliving that first game of Pokemon, with all the upgraded graphics and the different catch system and leveling system so you know you know it really makes me interested to see or to like um experience pokemon legends when it comes out next year pokemon legends arceus yeah because if anything that let's go pikachu and let's go eevee has taught us is that pokemon is not afraid to um to like kind of like experiment with its formula i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure there are going to be people that disagree with us I, uh, because pokemon sword and shield people say that that was like kind of a letdown i personally liked it but let's go eevee and let's go pikachu definitely change up the pokemon formula um so by doing that it kept red and blue and yellow pretty fresh yeah so you know it's it makes those two games make you wonder what magic is going to be waiting for us with Arceus. Yeah. The legends. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally looking forward to that. And that's January as well. It's like a week after Elden Ring now. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Why is it that like we're older now we have more responsibilities, thus less time. But yeah. there are so many better games out there. <laughs> we can't play them all. That's sad. Yeah. Just got to catch them all, man. Just got to catch them all. Mm-hmm. Anything else yeah. you played this week other than uh, Guilty Gear? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Ooh. That That's bitch it. is 110 gigabytes. <laughs> That's like 15% of my hard drive. holy crap that game is huge Uh, it just Uh, had an update and that update was 10 gigabytes large wow so I think when I put in Final Fantasy 7 Remake I think that one was 81 gig for that oh man games are so huge nowadays and that's about the DLC that's without the DLC. That was just the installing ah, it off the disc. It was, yeah. I swear it was like 81 gigs. I'm just going to, when, when I eventually go back to Final Fantasy VII Remake, I'm just going to stick to the PlayStation because I don't have to deal with it being on my computer. I was like, yeah, a terabyte will be good when I build my computer. Yeah, that's fine. My brother called me an idiot, and now I'm regretting my decision. <laughs> and you're um, saying terabyte. Yeah, a terabyte. Um, so yeah, Mass Effect is 110 gigabytes. Unfortunately, they do not give you the option to install certain portions of the game, right? Because it's Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. They don't give you the option, at least for the PC, they don't give you the option to install only Mass Effect 1 or only Mass Effect 2 or 3. You have to install all three, which is why it's 110 gigabytes. But I hear um, from a couple of Discord channels that I'm on, uh, you for the Xbox, you can install like certain components of it, which allows you to manage your space a little bit better. Oh, yeah, that, that would be really nice. 
Um, yeah, but for me, it's 110 gigabytes. And that game is going to be on my computer for a while. <laughs> so um, I'm pl- I've been playing Mass Effect 1. And I am enjoying it. I regret the class that I chose. I chose the Vanguard, which is the biotic slash soldier. I would rather have gotten the infiltrator, which is the engineer slash soldier. Uh, It's so much more useful. But yeah, so I've been playing that too. And I am enjoying Mass Effect 1. There, uh, Some people complain about the graphics. I don't see where the complaints are. Did you play the original Mass Effect? I did not. So the original Mass Effect had a film grain effect. And this film grain effect um, gave it a cinematic feel. But its real intention was to hide how horrible some of the graphics were. Um, And uh, it was a very, very dark, like darkly lit um set pieces when you're playing the game right so two characters can be talking but because they're on a ship in space in the dark it was generally pretty dark Um, but mass effect legendary edition got rid of the film grain and brightened everything up because it brightened everything up yeah you can kind of see the game's age um and so people are saying like the graphics are worse but i've seen some very bad remakes if you want an example of like remakes where the graphics are poorer look up final fantasy 10 and look at the comparison between uh final fantasy 10 on the playstation 2 versus the remaster and you can tell like wow the graphics look horrible and it's because they lost the original assets to the game but in mass effect one they got rid of the film grain and they brightened the lights because they're like okay we can upgrade the graphics enough to where we don't have to use those techniques to hide the flaws. And I guess a lot of people look at that. They could see the flaws of a game that is now 14 years old. And it got a remaster. And even though it got a facelift, there are some things that are archaic about it. Right. And so they're like, well, like the graphics are worse. And it's just like, well, no, I don't think so. I just think you're kind of like your rose tinted nostalgia glasses mm-hmm. have a film grain and have darker lighting. Um, I am about 15 hours in and I have like, as far as story missions go, um, I've got two more story missions before I hit like the last stretch of the game. And right now I'm just doing all the side quests Oh, they also revamped up the level up system in it, um, which is kind of cool and unique. I had to read up before I played the game. But in the original game, you can level up from level 1 to 60. And when you leveled up, you got a certain amount of stat points. For the legendary game, for Mass Effect 1, you now own, well, like you can choose what system you want to use. But they changed the level up system. So where it's where um, you can only instead of leveling up to 60, you level up to 30. But each level has more stat points attributed to you. So a level 30 in the legendary edition Shepard is just as strong as a level 60 Shepard from the original game. It's just that uh, when you leveled up in the original game, it's just like, oh, I just got like two stat points. That's like barely anything. So they kind of changed up the leveling up system. Um, 
they added all the DLC with the exception of one because they lost it. And so that, or, or rather the data was corrupted. They couldn't, they couldn't fix it, which is fine. Um, but I'm enjoying Mass Effect 1. I cannot wait to get the Mass Effect 2 and 3. I had never played 3 before. I played Mass Effect 1 and 2 when they came out. Never tried playing 3. Uh, so this will be my first time completing the series in its entirety. So I am working on that. Um, Fire Emblem for the Switch has taken a backseat. I need a break from that game. <laughs> I mean, that's a wonderful game. It really is so delightful to play if you like tactics games. But I, I needed a break from it because I was going insane. It's just such a long game. And um, the Legend of Heroes Trials of the Sky, I have taken a few weeks break off of that game, mainly because I lost my PlayStation controller. <laughs> so that break was involuntary. But now that I have my PlayStation controller, I will probably start getting back into Legend of Heroes Trials of the Sky 1. In case you don't remember Captain Platinum, that's like game one in a series of eight where like each game is like 60 to 80 hours. Mm-hmm. It's like watching One Piece, the anime. <laughs> which, oh, by the way, I forgot some D&D news. Um, Critical Role Season 2 has ended. Which, uh, and the reason why One Piece reminded me of that, I was kind of crunching some numbers. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Do you know very much about the One Piece anime? I don't. Are you aware how long that anime is? Uh, it's pretty long, right? Because, I mean, I, I think it's, I heard about it, I want to say in like 2001. That anime right now, I believe the episode count is 979 episodes. Wow. Right? That's insane. So it's like 979 episodes. Huh? How long is that? For 20-minute episodes, it comes to about, and I'm going off of you know, tequila memory here, um, it's something about like 335 hours. Around there, like 330 hours worth of content if you wanted to watch One Piece all the way through. Wow. Is there any um, repeat kind of like DBZ? Uh, there, no. There's some filler episodes that you can skip. But the story itself is so long, like, they're, like the filler episodes are few and far in between. And none of it's really repeated. Uh, so you said I, 979 episodes? Yeah, 979 episodes. Actually, you know what? Let's punch in a calculator. I'm, that's what I'm doing. That's 19,580 minutes then, right? Yeah, divide that by, by 60 yep. for hours. 326 hours. 326 hours of content. You sit down for 326 hours, you will finish one piece. Okay? Now... Critical Role Season 2 is 141 episodes, but their episodes are between three to four hours each. So as an average, 141 times 3.5, right? How many hours is that? 141 times 3.5 is 493.5 hours. You are 170 hours longer than 
fucking one piece. Sorry for the language. <laughs> I figured that out. I was just like, wow, congratulations, Critical Role. I don't watch your show because you're so goddamn long. But <laughs> like I because when I like, again, I got nothing against Critical Role. I would just rather prepare my own Dungeons and Dragons campaign or play a Dr- Dungeons and Dragons campaign or read a Dungeons and Dragons book or play a video game. I can't watch 490 hours of content. It's longer than One Piece. <laughs> but they just finished season two. And I believe the new um, the new piece of news is that Matthew Mercer for season three, he was the dungeon master. Um, he's also a very famous voice actor. For my JoJo friends out there, um, he was Jotaro Kujo uh, in, jo- in JoJo three. Uh, he does a lot of does a lot of voices. He will be a player for season three, and we will have a new dungeon master. I have nothing but good things to say about Critical Role, even though I've not seen them. Big thanks to Critical Role, and I would say they're probably like half the reason. But Dungeons and Dragons has hit a golden age of renaissance. We have so many new players in the tabletop RPG space. Um, and now those Dungeons and Dragons care, uh, players are like, you know what? Dungeons and Dragons ain't my thing, but I love tabletop role-playing games. What other games are out there? And they're starting to explore new systems, and it is going to be fantastic. And it's a lot of it has to do with Critical Role and the work they do. So I salute you, Critical Role. You guys are great. I don't watch a show, but you're still great. Thank you. You won't watch them, but you watch Young and the Restless all the way through. What's up with you, man? <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's some D and D news that I forgot. Um, but yeah, as far as games that I've been playing, just uh, just Guilty Gear, um, Mass Effect, and Final Fantasy fourteen. I'm in the Stormblood expansion now. I'm not going to explain what that means, but it's. Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen is great. If you're in online games, play it. Yeah, my one oh, friend turned through that too. That's a that's another piece of news. World of Warcraft, which was the king of MMOs, has recently lost its crown as the largest MMO to Final Fantasy fourteen. Wow. A lot of a lot of players have migrated from World of Warcraft because they're tired of it and started playing Final Fantasy fourteen. And now I have a bunch of douchebags in all the parties that I have in my Final Fantasy fourteen groups. Because <laughs> um, you get a lot of people that are just like, all right, guys, what's the strat for this game? Well, for this boss, and like, we just plow through it, guys. This is a weekly event. We don't really think too much. And, they're, and then they get mad or they just... I mean, they're new players, but... Yeah, the crown of the largest MMO has been taken over by Final Fantasy fourteen. That's that's other news. That's all it really is. I think I've been talking too much. No, it's <laughs> awesome. You have such an insight into that world that I don't have, man. So I appreciate that you can bring that to this. It's it's awesome. It's all things to Casa Amigos and their Blanco um, <laughs> smooth liquid. <laughs> and that that my that my blood alcohol content is currently absorbed. Thank you, George Clooney. You bring out the best in me. Uh, you have some smooth vanilla finished flavors and a little bit of a pepper extract in there. It's really good. 
Uh, I'm gonna have to try that one out next, man. It ain't cheap. I got it because I was celebrating tonight. I was out of tequila. Um, I went through all of my Don Julio. I went through all of my Patron. I went through all of my Jose Cuervo. And I was like, geez, last week I drank rum and that's not me. And I was like, I got it. You know what? I will drink whatever I buy. And I might as well make it good because I look forward to these recordings. And I was like, give me a tequila recommendation. They were just like, what's your price range? And I was like, 60 bucks. And they were like, this is under 60 bucks? Casa Amigos. This is George Clooney. And I was like, yes. <laughs> it was less than a video game. <laughs> That's how we're buying tequila now. <laughs> yes. I am measuring it by video game prices. Well, cool, man. It's been fun. Any final thoughts before we, we tap out and get ready to <laughs> you know, catch some E3 news this weekend and go play some more games? Yeah, yeah. Here's a final thought. Ready, ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. There's a new movie coming out. Are you a fan of horror? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's The Conjuring 3. <laughs> right? I think yeah. that has a subtitle now. You're aware of the subtitle? Oh, I saw it. Yeah, is the tequila made me do it? <laughs> <laughs> Conjuring 3, the tequila made me do it. There's this picture that was floating around my timeline. <laughs> it's, like, it's like this dude is carrying a bottle he's like bent backwards he's like ah it's like conjuring three the tequila made me do it by by ugly primo <laughs> <laughs> yeah the tequila made me do it um yeah that's my uh, slogan the tequila made me do it all right so for this episode the tequila made you do it and for everyone else hey guys make sure you game harder this week all right. Drink, we'll catch you guys drink, next week. Drink some Casamigos. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Hello, I'm the podcaster without fear, Luke. I'm the uncanny Ryan. I am Kylie the Poodinger. I am the superior Caitlin. And I am the agitated Kyle. And, and we are most of the Nerd Dome Podcast. Every Friday, some variation of this group gets together and talks about all things nerd. The newest stuff in TV, movies, comics, video games, and more. So join us in the Dome every Friday to hear all things nerd. From a bunch of people who are probably a bit too into it. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Jen.